Hi, I'm Rail Greco, and I'll be one of your hosts with the Business Excellence Podcast. Hi, and I'm Lindsay Adams. I'm the co-host. And together, we're going to be talking about what makes up business excellence. And we believe that you can never be perfect. All you can be is excellent. And in our businesses and in our lives, we want to achieve excellence. And that's why this is the Business Excellence Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker and coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. Today's guest is Tracy Lamori from Hamilton in Ontario in Canada. Although her LinkedIn profile says GTA, Greater Toronto Area, um, Hamilton is, is, is a nice hamlet about 45 minutes outside of Toronto. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Hello. So, Tracy, um, you, you have a, an interesting and varied background. And, I, and I'll start off with your book because I think your book that is imminent, and every press release of yours that I've read says imminent, says get repped, build your brand with public and media relations. Now, th- that defines a lot of your business. Even your profiles talk about your media business and your, and your publicity or, or, or publicist business. Can you define for us what the difference is between, you know, um, publicity or, you know, PR, traditional PR and media relations? Because um, you seem to make the distinction. That's what I mean. That's Between public and media? Like why yes, I say public, public and media, yes. And media relations in the title, yes. basically. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, that's public media. So, so, Media relations, as you know, your press releases and your, your media advisories and that sort of thing. I have a, I have a client in, in, uh, in California, in Los Angeles, who, had to, who basically let her um, California publicist go and hired me just to try me out. And after a month or so with me, she said, wow, this is a person who lives in the media world. You, know, you do things a lot of publicists don't do. And, and I don't know if that's because I'm self-trained and I didn't go to school and be told exactly what a publicist was. But to me, when my clients come with me, it's public. It's their public image and the media relations. So to me, it's like, I I help them with their entire public image beyond just media relations. I help them find opportunities, you know, to be on stages as speakers where they may not have before. They're not necessarily just the authors, but I mean, you know, business people, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. I find them opportunities to get in the mix for awards they may not have known about. Uh, So all that kind of thing. And just, I I help them with, you know, the words on their webpage if I need to. So essentially anything that they need, wherever the the holes are or wherever I see that would help to elevate them. So what I do, what I call it now is elevating and celebrating. I almost don't even like public relations and PR because those have some negative connotations to a lot of people. We think of spin and we think of, and I really like to come from, I do PR from a place of authenticity and genuineness for real, where I actually take on project. I, I feel like it's a luxury that I can actually take on projects that I care about and love. I know later you're going to ask me some questions about some of the kinds of work I've done. And I laugh because I grew up loving the Beatles. Huge passion. So I, I was lucky enough to have three years as the London Beatles Festival publicist. You know, we're going to talk about cannabis. I'm a medical cannabis patient. I've been working for a decade in that industry. So everything, music, everything that I do all day with my day is things I actually feel, actually care about, and actually understand the messaging of. So the public 
you know, the public aspect is all of it. I just help them position themselves in the world. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, that, that's very interesting because you're right. There is a spin on public relations and particularly on publicists that, that they are just spin doctors and, and they'll spin any story. They'll write the story in the way that the media wants to see it. And I, yes, obviously you have to deliver for your clients, but, but one of the things that struck me when, when, you know, when you reached out was, hang on a second, this is, this is somebody who has a lot of authenticity in what you do. You know, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, you, in one of the interviews I read, you spoke about your whirlwind romance with Dave. Um, <laughs> And, and, and how you met and how you got together and how you still work together in the business now. Um, and, and, I, and I felt that was, was real because you, you were putting it out there. And, and so that, that struck a chord with me. You, you're a lifelong activist. Um, and, and, and I've seen you make comments on your kids being activists as well. But more important, I mean, you know, you've, you've spoken about your, your role in, in marijuana. And I happened to be, as I said, in Toronto when the, there was the legalization of marijuana. Well, and you can explain it a bit better than me because it was, it was, it was what you were trying to organize. But I, I was there and my, my nephew and niece were telling me, oh, marijuana has just been legalized. You have to order it through this government website. And I thought that was the, the craziness of, of the world where the government was controlling it. Give me a little background on your work in that space, because you were involved with it for quite a while. Yeah, actually, <clears throat> nine years, you know, professionally now, which in the cannabis industry makes you like a million years old. It's quite funny when you go to the big corporate conferences internationally, and I've been all over them in Toronto and in Malta. I was lucky enough to go to one in Malta, international medical one, and uh, in Las Vegas and all that. So it's quite interesting when you see the, the, the huge business conferences, because there's about... 5% of us that have been around it for you know longer than two years and then about 95% of it is just hugely corporate like the finance people the people that were in real estate people were in any number of industries who are now you know just looking at it as our biggest emerging new industry in North America so uh yeah I've been around it for a long time initially because I was um uh, a cannabis medical patient myself for not for long-term nausea that I had discovered it literally was the only thing that, that I knew of that had helped me after years and years of going to doctors, you know, to, to stop actual vomiting, which is hugely impairing all, you know, all the time. And uh, they were giving me all the little, whatever, this kind of pill and that kind of pill, you say stomach and they're just testing a million things and nothing worked. Cannabis worked for me really quickly, just a little bit, you know, like boom. And then I can, I'm fine for a 15 hour day. And my nausea is down. Boom, boom, boom. So that was my personal story. And in the developing Canadian, um, you know, it was, the, that was the, you know, medical cannabis activist world a decade ago, very early on. So it, it was legal medically at that time, you know, through the work of previous activists from 20 years before that, but it was a, you know, a very stringent system the way we're seeing in some in some states places and everything. anyway so I was a patient I was also beginning my work as a publicist and people in that medical cannabis world who were doing business like the legacy market that was not selling cannabis but I mean the people that were trying to advocate for or the early compassion clubs and all those they were selling cannabis to, to legitimate patients anyway they started seeing my work in everything else and the media successes I was getting everywhere else 
and they started, you know, asking me, can you help promote my book? I'm a cannabis consultant working with seniors. Can you help promote me? Can you? And I started working with people like that. And then a medical doctor, emergency room doctor that I work with occasionally today still, who is doing a lot of early work, um, helping patients get off, uh, what do you call it? Like opioids, the opioid crisis okay. yeah. in cannabis. So we did messaging on a national and international level where he was talking about that when there was still stigma even in Canada. So I've worked in the cannabis industry with various people doing their messaging. To the, I, I say, um, what was the, my little line? It's you know, basically helping uh, media correctly present you know, a destigmatized version of the cannabis plant, cannabis patients, and cannabis users over the last several years. As part, maybe 30 or 40% of my work uh, at some points and 60% of it in others, because all my work is referral based. So I have these little blocks of time when suddenly I have all these clients and all these clients, but the, the cannabis industry in Canada is certainly uh, an interesting trajectory and all eyes are on us internationally in terms of how we're rolling it out and how it's being developed. and and all that stuff. So it's certainly an exciting space to be in. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting question because my, you know, coming from Australia where there is no technically legal cannabis, although there is some leniency if you're caught with a certain amount, um, it's regarded as personal use. So, um, but, but there is no technically legal dispensaries. Um, and having been in Muscle Beach in LA, just outside LA, a couple of years ago and seeing, you know, as you, you said in, in, in your town of Hamilton, there were a million, you know, dispensaries next to each other, even before it was legal. Um, I saw that the, this amazing industry developing with uh, my experience there was being with my, my son who was probably 12 at the time. And all these guys in doctor scrubs hopping out of storefronts, asking if you wanted to be assessed for medical marijuana and then buy it at the dispensary next door. I mean, you know, how is a publicist, you know, arguing for the legitimacy of this industry? Do you deal with, with that almost blatant, you know, flaunting of the rules? Yeah, we, I didn't see anything like that. I certainly didn't deal with anything like that here in Canada. I mean, I know there were, we, I didn't, I, mean, I laughed when I heard that one because I've never seen, hey, we're doctors, come out over here. And, you know, that sounds like a pretty California thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but there, I mean, obviously there were, you know, like you said, flouting of the rules. There were, there were, you know, people taking advantage or of the medical system or using the medical system. I mean, it, it depends on when you look at it, right? Some, some things was also, in sometimes, sometimes it was super strict and people, who legitimately used it therapeutically and needed it, you know, would bend rules to try to get it or whatever. I don't know. But, but all the work that I took on, it was, I was, if it was uh, pre-legal, they were very open about what they were doing. For example, like, you know, they were, they were, I worked with True Compassion Toronto and they were legitimately a compassion club right before the days of when we were promised legalization. They were like true outliers on the medical front, right? which we call legacy and right before the days we were promised legalization then it all exploded and you know profiteers came in as well but um the originally they were all you know very sincere like all the, the medical people the compassion clubs that were they were putting their work and their life and their on the line they were being very public about their work not having like what you were describing but they were actually you know helping patients and working on so they were willing to, you know like they were they were the true compassion was saying let the mayor come in, let whoever come in. So our messaging was about 
please media, come in and look and see what they're doing. Please, Mr. Mayor, come and see that it's not what you think it is. You know, so it was always people that I aligned myself and worked with were always people that were like, please come look at us. This is really, they were like sincere and legitimate what they were doing, you know? So um, yeah, that, that, that way. I mean, every, everything I've always taken on, I've actually believed in. So I- Well, that, that leads me to the next question and that's a value alignment. Um, you know, one of the things I've also noticed in, in some of your press that you've put out about yourself, not about your, your clients, was about your value alignment of your clients with yourself. That, that you know, the, 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 the traditional publicist will take on anyone who'll pay their bills. And you've kind of take, drawn a line in the sand, an ethical line in the sand and, and worked on that. You know, what, what sort of clients do you work with? What is there? I mean, you said 40% of your work is in the marijuana industry. Well, not now. some of your other clients. <laughs> that changes. Right now, it's probably 20%. Like I said, it all changes depending on who recommending me at any one moment. Okay. And what are your, I mean, you know, and, 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 and there's a lot of words around your activism, which I'm going to come back to. But what is from a value alignment point of view, you know, Lamori Media, what what companies are you looking to align with? So people listening to this podcast saying that person's values are what I want to aspire to, I want to work with. So in terms of um, values, I mean, it's, it's I work, let me I'll go into the values in a second. So who I work with right now is generally, I have, you know, maybe 30% entertainers and uh, 20% writers and speakers and that kind of stuff. And some cannabis people and, you know, musicians, but about 50% of them are entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. I'm talking about first of all, what they do, and then I'll get into the value alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, so and they and there any I mean I have a you know podiatrist I have psychiatrist psychologist diversity experts I've got you know real estate agent so some people so in terms of jobs on the entrepreneur side it could really be doing anything and I say there's media opportunities for everybody in terms of you know the jobs that they're doing or um, I may not have any I may not have any knowledge about that industry or uh, thought about what they do before but it's that person that impresses me you know so there's may have no like you know the no particular affinity with that job or their message or whatever but the person is like yeah i really wow i never heard about that message before but that's not, I, I really believe in that person and what they're doing for example you know a client that i have who had never thought about life after divorce or or you know widowhood that's her thing though she wrote a book about her own experience about life after divorce widowhood so that's her message helping people as a you know so it's not that 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 thing was my thing i never thought about that but when i met her and saw that good work she's doing and she does deserves to have that message as she's a genuine person with a good message so it wasn't that that message was something that I had been called to or has any personal but it's a good message for the world so in that case you know it could be a general good thing that you know I can just get behind a solopreneur or a person doing that that good in their space so it doesn't necessarily have to be something I was previously you know looking for right but in terms of what the, some of the themes that I I get a lot like diversity is a huge one and I and these people, people find me like I don't ever advertise I don't ever go out once in a while I may send a LinkedIn message if I see somebody you know who's super interesting and say oh my goodness you see what I do I would love to help you connect with that but I don't, I don't ever advertise. So pretty much it's just absolutely organic that comes to me. And so what I love about that is I feel privileged that these people have found me. And there's a, it's a, somebody commented to me, 
wow, I like Rosa Parks' cousin actually is one of my clients from six years ago. And she said to me once, I love that your client list is so diverse. And I said, what? I had never even thought of it. Of course it is. Like, so are my friends and my community. But she had mentioned that, you know, and I went and I looked at the, I have, it was in the summer and I've been doing, you know, podcasts, not, not podcasts, like little Tracy lives, just featuring my clients for something to do in the early days of COVID. And the first, it was, and it was pre-Black Lives Matter. So nobody was thinking, I wasn't thinking about, you know, making a palette of diverse clients or anything. I don't think that way. But all of a sudden I had posted, you know, come listen to my show, Tracy Live. The last, here's the last, my clients, or not my clients, here's the last six episodes where I had my clients on. And the, I had a little brick of those six people. And there were like three, she pointed out, there were three black women, two white guys, a Hispanic gay guy. Like if I had sit there and tried to put together a diverse thing, I couldn't have done better. But that was just literally my, so that's what I love. It just, it's, it's voices, all kinds of voices. And they trust me with their messaging. You know, and that's, that's a huge privilege. Here I am, the white girl in the basement in you know, Hamilton. And people are coming from me from across America, you know, across industries and people of color, people of whatever. And they don't, and they, you know, and they're trusting me because they, I don't know what I've done that they know that I, I don't care about that, that I, you know, so I don't look for any particular message necessarily, other than I love justice things. And, you know, I, I obviously I'm aligned with things cannabis related. So people who want that kind of messaging come to me because I understand it, you know, so there are a few things, and a justice, I love anything, give me something like that to sink my teeth in, but I don't even want to charge you for that because that's my heart. And I don't, you know what I mean? So those are the things that I feel aligned with, but but generally it's really anybody who is authentic and who is you know coming from a good place and where I feel like, wow, yeah, I'd like to see that elevated. So so that leads me on to something else now. In an article Sorry, I that I was reading, <laughs> no, no, I love that. Reading an article, you made a comment about you know, someone asked you about your children and your children being activists and, uh, and, and, and their things, but you made a comment in there about, um, you know, the, the, about social media, actually, okay? You made a comment there about social media in that article and that you, you sometimes social media is not abused, but it becomes, unfortunately, the soapbox for people who don't really actually have shouldn't have an opinion I, I, that's not your words those are mine um but 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 i think i think that's one of the challenges at the moment in our world is that you know y yes um the american election publicized the words fake news quite a lot um and, you know and how has that impacted on that and social media and and the fact that people still think they can do it themselves because social media has made things so easy. How, you know, a lot of your clients actually sort of letting, empowering you to do all that for them now? In terms of social media, like speaking for them on social media? Yeah, speaking for them on social media, yeah. I used to do that more. Like now I kind of get away from the social media part because I'll strategize it, but I mean, I don't do the social media. It's more, I, I feel like that's more the... I don't know, my, my, my skills are better used kind of like communicating with the media and doing the things that people can't do. But but now that I'm answering that though, you're right. I guess it, it's different. It, I agree with you in some ways. So it, it cause the, the social media now is so much a part of our public, you know, who we are publicly, but I, I don't have any of my clients right now that I run their social media. Okay. Um, 
they all do their own social media, but a couple of the older ones, you know, they definitely need a lot of help with it. And they're intimidated by they're doing their own, but they're, they need advice with the landscape more sometimes. And now, you know, understanding that what that you have to use it or how you have to be careful with it in incendiary times. Well, that's, you those know? are the words you used here. Incendiary. Oh, did I really? I didn't even know what you were less, talking about. Less careful <laughs> about the posts and the words they use and, and how you didn't renew a client's contract because of what they were putting out on social media. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And there's a couple times, you know, and there was one, yeah, there's one who was just literally right at the point of renewal. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Let me start to go and look here, you know, cause things start to get weird in 2020 to say the least. And some people started to lose, you know, you started to see people posting things you hadn't seen before or other, I don't know if it was new things that were in their head or things they had just, I don't know, but there was, yeah, a couple times. And there was also people who I, I did not take on and, and other people that I, I, you know, um, advise clients to stay the heck away from and to not have any association with on social media and to delete photos with the, you know, they'd had with this person years before as well, even though they had done nothing wrong, but the person, you know, was toxic. And also they were not in a, you know, they didn't have a business relationship with them for good reason anymore. So just to make sure that's, you know. Everyone knows that. So tell me, you, you before we went to record, you told me how you work till three o'clock in the morning, um, often because of East Coast, West Coast times. I'm, I'm, I'm 13 hour time change from you at the moment. I guess the question is, how did Tracy or Tracy and David have a life work balance? A what now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, let me write that down. I'll yeah. put that on my list to get one. But yeah, no, I'm really, I'm, I guess, you know, I, I, if I, if this was a job I didn't like, if this was a job I was doing for somebody else, or if this was a job, it doesn't feel like a job, it would be like horrible. Oh my God, I have no life. I have no life. But the thing is, you know, like I, 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 almost, I honestly am so impassioned mm-hmm. about this work. All the projects that I do, there's not one that I dislike. I'm excited when I get media results for all my clients. Further, my cl- I need a new word for clients, you know, because half of them were my friends and then they saw what I did and they became my clients. Or they were podcast hosts and they became my clients, no lie. Or they were, you know, um, or they're my or or they're my clients, they become my friends. So I don't know how to do the separation of church and state, business and pleasure thing mm-hmm. very well it's all one you know what I mean so when I'm honestly the first thing I do when I wake up is I'm checking my messages and I'm answering my clients because if I I don't know I don't I don't feel like it's work you know that old a thing but the same at the same time I also realized because my 18 year old son is always like you know put your phone down like he gets really upset because he can't watch a movie with me without me peeking at my phone. So I know that's like not well, that's not a good thing. So I'm trying now at 51 to find, how do I, you know, still madly serve all my clients, but, you know, devote some time to not doing that, (laughs) you know, at every moment. Is is the business you and David, is that it? What's that? Your business, is that you and your Yeah, it's pretty much me, me and my husband. Yeah, this is the year I'm trying to expand into, 
becoming a job creator, but that's been a huge leap for me as an entrepreneur. Even incorporating, which we did this year, was a huge leap for me because I do not come from a business background. I learned to do all this stuff really, really well. If I had come from a business background with some understanding with someone at 20 and said to me, this is what you do and this is your back end, I would have been a millionaire at 25 for sure because I'm good at everything I do. But I don't, I mean, I, you know what I mean? It was even a deep well, what do you mean incorporate? Oh, that sounds all like I understood my job, <laughs> but that whole background. And so now I have to make the leap because I have no trouble getting clients. I can get 20 new clients in the next hour, but I, I'm limited by what I, who I can, how many I can take on because it's only me. So how do I make that mental jump between trusting that there's somebody else? Because my clients, it all matters so much to me and it's got my name on it that I don't want to just take on and then farm it out and it's not to my quality, it's not to my name, it's not. So I'm trying to understand how do I take the time away from what I'm doing to stop, to train somebody in my processes and then hire 20 more people. Cause I would love to be a job creator now. I think that I'm starting to understand from my activist brain, that that's actual activism and advocacy in a different way. If I could create 20 jobs tomorrow, then I've changed lives, right? That's so. Absolutely. Um, so, so let me ask you a question. This is called the Business Excellence Podcast, right? And, and so everything we try and do is about how do we make businesses, and I use the, what people have accused me of saying is bad English, but I use the words, make them more excellent. You know, what do we, because, and why did we choose business excellence? Quite simply, because no one can ever be perfect, but excellence is the best we can be. And that's the, the, the theme of, of how we work. And so, so let, you know, what three tips or media tips or public relations or publicity tips would you say are vital for, um, you know, my target market is the sort of, you know, medium enterprise sector. That's the, the, where I get the most traction. You know, if you were talking to companies and organizations in that sector, what's your three media and PR tips for them? So for any company, I'm going to give some hard tips, like actual things that you can go and get, like bookmark, they're not even there, and some of them are free. But first, you have to remember, and honestly, I can't articulate this enough, as first, the first are going to be tips. So yeah. tips, life is a pitch, and that's a P, not a B. It is a pitch. Yeah. If you're, I mean, do not even think about reaching out to media, whether it's a podcaster, whether it's a newspaper, but unless you, until you have your pitch perfected. And so your pitch should be, you know, it's going to change in terms of what you're saying every week or day over the media advisory part, but your pitch that more about Tracy, that more about whoever, which is not your resume of everything you've ever done, but it's a little bit of that with the part that they should care about in a compelling manner and maybe include a couple of segments that you could, you know, speak on And you can think about if I, you know, if I was a public speaker and they're putting a microphone in my, in my face, what are some of the topics I would bring up? What are some potential chapters in my book? That's your, you know, your messaging that may be of interest. So you can suggest you, you can do a segment on this. She can do a compelling segment on this. So once you've got your pitch and there's, I mean, it really has to be good because that's what's going to sell you. And it cannot be, you remember advertorial versus editorial. Yeah. 
think editorial, like what does a newsroom really care about? And they don't care about 90% of what you think they're going to care about. You know, it ha- so really be strict on yourself. And, that, and then once you've done that, where do you go? How do you get into media? So there are some real world ways that you can start right now. Some ways that are free that, that, I, that I use this month to get one of my clients in Reader's Digest and New York Times, boom, just like that didn't cost me anything but time and a bit, which is, write this down, guys, because I don't tell everyone this, but I do tell it on some podcasts when they ask me. So is Hero, which is help a reporter out, is one free service where you just sign up to email list three times a day and you see mainstream reporters everything from oprah.com to the list to readers digest to nbc to looking for quotes from real life people often just from entrepreneurs with with no other um background other than just entrepreneurs we're looking for quotes from so it could be doctors lawyers candlestick makers you know experts of all kinds but also general just people able to share their what you know experiences or what expertise another one in australia is source bottle that's a website you can just go and look at that has similar opportunities for media asking for people so you see these and this is real life stuff i mean like i get they work you see them you have to have your pitch perfected you say hey i'm your guy boom 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 numbers game and you can get the results also this is the part that we're talking about you know the thought leadership and getting out there and getting your name out there you know there's things like pod match and matchmaker again it's a pitch a podcast can be easier to get onto if you don't have a list of media already but you have a compelling story you know something then again it's a pitch reach out reach out widely get a couple of those links that social what do you call it credit i don't remember the word now third part you know social credit or whatever they yeah. call it Proof, social proof. That's social it. Proof. Yep. Yeah, sorry. It's early in the morning here. <laughs> um, and I'm on my first podcast of the day. But yeah, some social proof, you know, where you see that other credibility where people can see. Because if you're, you know, say, a real estate agent and somebody else is a real estate agent, they're looking, someone's looking at both of your sites and you've been interviewed, you know, five times and you're being called, um, uh, you know, you're internationally quoted. Clearly, that credibility which you can't buy is, you know, is going to elevate you above your competitor and potentially send more clients your way and opportunities your way and expand, you know, speaking engagements and, you know, depending on what the goal is, there are real world things that you can do right now. And, and essentially it all comes down to understanding that you have a message. I don't care if you're a, if you, if you mow lawns for a living, there's some media that would be interested in what you have to say, getting your pitch together and really understanding the difference between editorial and advertorial. And that's one that entrepreneurs have a really hard time with because we're trained to think, you know, advertorial, advertising. But if you, and you know, if in, honestly, if you have a budget for marketing, put it aside for one month and hire a publicist, even if it's for a month. Just to, or me, because you know I work internationally, but I'm not even saying that. I'm saying just a publicist, just to see how they frame you, how they, you know, get those ideas. I just after a month, you would really your mind would be blown. You if you never thought of yourself as being that person in the media, which a lot of us don't. A lot of entrepreneurs say, "Well, I'm just no, no, we're not just. We're experts." And you know, believe in yourself, elevate yourself. And your message, and that's where we get these trips, thought leaders. And the reality is, there's just so many. Even if you're not a person who's super comfortable with getting out there, then find a way. Like if, whether it's writing or speaking, because there are so many forums and platforms now that we really are falling behind our competition if we're not utilizing them. They are, you know. So that, that's a fantastic summary. And um, I mean, you actually 
you, you said something in there about him, you know, and you used, I use the words imposter syndrome that a lot of people I know, you know, think, you know, they actually are experts and they actually are thought leaders, but they don't believe they are. And so they, they suffer from this imposter syndrome where, you know, people are paying me to come and speak on stages, but what, what have I got to actually offer the media? Well, if companies are paying you, then you obviously have an opinion yeah. on the media. You know, You're the, so right. All the time I speak about that, people, they honestly see them, you know, they just see the people that are up there in media as someone different, as though, or the people get awards, those are, and I work with people, you know, with long, like you said, they're you know, super accomplished, uh, women, often women too, like resumes and blah, 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 and then they'll give me, you know, a couple of, of their accomplishments for me to put together, like an article, and then I write the article, and like, I swear, three or four women have said to me, I talked about this in media before, you probably heard me say this oh you made me sound so good and i'm like you gave me the information there's not one thing that's not spin okay there's no lie i literally wrote down in an article form so you're reading it all in one place the way you're used to reading about other people and now you're like oh look at me exactly <laughs> you know you're hugely accomplished i didn't make that up <laughs> so that so that leads me on to your book when is that expected out or is it undefined at this point my publisher would have said last fall, <laughs> but I'm so busy, you know, serving the clients and sometimes I don't sit down and do so. I'm being really disciplined now by doing an hour or two a day. So I'm trying, hopefully I'll have it in her hands by um, end of spring at the latest. So then it should come up by summer. She's been, it's literally got an ISBN number. It's got a jacket. It's literally just waiting for me to say, okay, I'm finally done with the writing and they're just ready to go. So. Okay, well, fantastic. Get and writing and, and stop PRing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I wrote my book, I published in May 2018. And I actually wrote it for four years. But it actually wasn't it was nine months. And then I wasn't happy. So I put it away. For two oh, my God. Years. Yeah. I just it was imposter syndrome. I went, no one wants to know my story. And, <laughs> you know, and so I put it away. And then I discovered my my editor, um, Batya in South Africa, who had 25 years in the commercial book business. And I handed her the manuscript and I said, what do you think? And she said, write another 10,000 words and we're in business. And so that was how I kind of pushed it along from 2017 to early 2018. So it, it, it is a great feeling of accomplishment. Um, it's not a major money spinner, but it surely is a great credibility builder. Um, that would be my, my take on having a book um, and sharing your ideas. Tracy, thank you. It's been a, an insightful, interesting um, uh, discussion about lots of things, activism, you know, marijuana, legalizing marijuana, social media, um, media, public relations. It's been a great conversation. If any of our listeners would like to contact you, follow you, um, you know, become your clients or at least follow you on social media, how, what is the best way to get hold of you? So on social media, it's on Facebook, it's Tracy Lamori, L-A-M-O-U-R-I-E, that's Lamore with I-E, and uh, that's uh, on Instagram, it is Tracy Lamori PR Media. And on um, the website, it's lamorimedia.com. And I'm happy to continue, you know, the conversation people have been hearing. If anyone's interested in how it can, like, apply to them. If they're thinking, yeah, but I don't know about me. You know, me, the media would never. I, I mean, we mean you. <laughs> 
it. So I'm happy to do a 15 minute, 20 minute, half an hour consult with you where we can actually explain to you, you know, ideas and, and specifically what I would do for you. And not just to advertising, but so you honestly, people need to understand the opportunities they're leaving on the table. So I spent a lot of time doing podcasts and, you know, people like me, so some, they result in clients and all that stuff. But also I, I'm, I'm just finding it's a really, it's educating people. I really do think that, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And as entrepreneurs, I know, like I said, that back end was a mystery to me. If someone had fixed that for me earlier on, then I would have been like, I, you know, everything would have been different. In the same way, I have I have the knowledge that most entrepreneurs just don't have. To me, that's e- easy thing where I'm looking at going, man, you should. Why are you not in the New York Times talking about that? You know, and that I, you know, I had one client I put her in good housekeeping a year ago. She had no previous media, and for the last year, she's been getting a million media, you know, tons of clients based on that. So that's stuff you can do when you're deciding not to do. So decide to do it. Well, in fact, a, a very good friend of mine here in Australia always says go for the win what's important now and you know easy to do easy not to do it is his is his catchphrase so um, <laughs> I like that you know <laughs> but thank you very much for your time thank you tracy thank you to thank our you. listeners and um we hope to see you soon i will hopefully be in your neck of the woods within 2021 and i would look forward to coming down to hamilton to have a coffee with you and that and would be amazing i will take you up Hopefully things will be opened up by then. We'll have restaurants again and I will take you out for a dinner. Forget coffee. Yes, my family have mentioned that there's not much happening in Toronto. So thank you, Tracy. This is Rail Bricker from Perth, Australia, signing off with my guest, Tracy Lamori from Hamilton in Ontario, Canada.